are pleased to have Jerry Nugent as the preacher this morning. All in favor say aye. aye. Uh, she, she's got, she has uh, a fan club here. There are pe- folks, folks from her Sunday school class are here. Her family's here. It's just great to see you all here. Let me tell you a couple of things about Jerry. Uh, before she moved to Colorado Springs, she attended the Phoenix, uh, the Glendale Church of the Nazarene in Phoenix, Arizona. She worked as the assistant to the assistant superintendent for the school district, for one of the school districts there. And she says that she's worked in accounting most all of her life. She currently works with senior, senior adults, including preaching at the Towers uh, one, once a month and then participating in this Sunday school class. A little bit about her call. My initial call came, she writes, when I was 19. However, I didn't pursue it. In fact, I ran from that call. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that God again spoke to me about full-time ministry, and, and then I felt it was too late for me to begin such an enormous task of preparation. So, once again, I ignored the call. Two years later, God spoke in a very definite way, and he reminded me that this was the third time he had called. And, she emphasizes, that it would be the last. I was not afraid, I was afraid then not to respond, so I began taking classes through the extension course of study. Two years later, God opened the doors for us to move to Colorado Springs, and so we moved. God has been so faithful to me, Jerry continues, so faithful to me through the years, even though I had not been obedient to his call to ministry. I'm grateful that he is so loving and patient with each of us. For several reasons, I have only been able to attend part-time since coming to NBC. However, I should finish my studies next year and graduate. So the end is in view. The passage of Scripture today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Maybe see.
Hear God's words to us. I will change your name. You shall no longer be called Shall we pray? Father, we are so thankful that we can seek your face this morning. We're so thankful for the scripture and the things that they teach us. We ask now that your holy presence would be upon each one of us here today. May we hear the message that you have for each of us and help us to be obedient to those words this morning as you speak them to us. Lord, we ask all of these things in the holy name of Christ. Amen. Have you ever had an identity crisis? I think that living through raising teenagers, or if you're young enough that you remember being a teenager, you know what it is like to go through an identity crisis. We look at some of the things that teens go through and we wonder, are those our children? And then, strangely enough, we recall some of the pranks and things that we did ourselves and think, thank you, God, that they're not doing what I did as a teenager. But teens go through strange stages when they're searching for their identity. We look at the mature or silent generation and those that they're considered that, that were born before the baby boomers, and we find strange music. Everything from jitterbug to big band. And then there were those weird, strange hairdos they all wore back then. And then for those that are baby boomers, that were born between 46 and 64, we again find strange music, rock and roll, and soul, and surfing, and really strange hairdos from that period. For the busters, those born between 64 and 80, we find punk and hard rock emerging and some really strange hairdos. And then we have Generation X with their really 
strange music, most of which we're hardly able to understand, or at least those my age can't. And then they have these really weird, spiked, strange, some of them hairdos. Do I sound like I'm repeating myself? As a teenager, I really struggled with my own identity crisis. I'm the youngest of nine children, seven of which of us were girls. And so being the youngest of seven girls brings about its own definite identity crisis. I really wanted to fit in, both at school and with my older sisters, but somehow I just wasn't able to. A lot of the things that they did at school, my mother didn't think were appropriate. And then my older sisters thought I was just the baby, so I was too young to be a part of anything. But you know, in a world changing as fast as the one that we live in today, is it any wonder that so many people are experiencing identity crises? It isn't just teenagers. We hear much about midlife crisis. And even as Christians, there are times when we're really not certain of who we are or what our mission is or what it should be or we're too timid to try to find out. There are also times when we sense God's call or plan for our lives, but we feel too insignificant or inferior in our abilities to believe that God could really use us for his purpose. In addition, there are times when we are so certain of God's call and have such a passion that we just jump right in and we plunge ahead, getting ahead of God's plan or ahead of his timing for that purpose. And of course, then we find ourselves disillusioned and frustrated because we have failed or we don't have the success that we really thought we were going to have. Again, this can make us become afraid or too timid for ministry to try again. But regardless of our fears or failures or our identity crises, God has a plan for each of our lives. I want us to think about the passage that I read a few minutes ago from Exodus chapter 3. And I doubt that there's anyone here that could not stand up here and recite the entire story of Moses' life. It's a familiar passage to us of all that there was in his life. But Moses was born a slave in Egypt to Israelite parents who were slaves at that time. However, he had been raised by Pharaoh's daughter as a prince in the palace. We know that his mother hid him for three months and then placed him in the basket and floated him down the river so that Pharaoh's daughter would be sure to find him. And of course, that was part of God's plan. And then the Bible doesn't tell us when Moses found out that he was an Israelite and a slave rather than an Egyptian prince. Maybe it was as a child, and he just accepted the fact that he had been adopted and in, taken into the royal family. Perhaps it was a teenager, and then he may have really struggled with his identity of who he really was or where he really belonged. Or perhaps it wasn't until he was an adult 
that he found out that instead of an Egyptian prince, he was in fact the son of a slave. Now that's enough to give anyone an identity crisis. Most young people dream of someday really making it big. I'm going to be a big movie star. I'm going to be a great singer. They dream about being the prince or princess in their own field. But I doubt very much that there are any young people that grow up in a palatial home that dream about one day becoming a slave. Regardless of when Moses learned of his true heritage, he had compassion for his people. When he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, he became so angry that he killed the Egyptian to protect his people. Moses had made his decision at that point. He chose to be identified with slaves. He wanted to be identified with his people that were God's people, the children of Israel. He was no longer a prince. He was a man now wanted for murder and running to save his own life. This was a whole new identity crisis for Moses and a hard one for him to face. Moses had tried to help his fellow countrymen. He thought he was doing a great deed. He wanted to deliver them from suffering and from injustice. But he plunged right in, getting ahead of God. God hadn't told him to do that. He just reacted, and he was ahead of God's timing. He tried to do things in his own way and on his own timetable. But God had a plan for Moses. Moses had fled to Midian when he left Egypt, and he spent the next 40 years there. I sure hope I don't have to spend 40 years preparing. <laughs> it feels like it some days. But he worked there as a shepherd for his father-in-law, who was the priest of Midian. God was certainly in control, even though Moses had tried to do things his own way. He went from being born to Hebrew slaves, raised as a prince by Pharaoh's daughter, identifying with his Hebrew relatives, God's chosen people, to becoming a murderer, running for his very life. And he ends up in Midian, working for the priest and marrying the priest's daughter. That's quite a cycle that Moses has gone through. You would think that that would be enough identity crises for any individual, but especially considering that Moses is now 80 years old. But God still had a plan for Moses. This passage of scripture from Exodus takes place at this point in Moses' life. It's the time of God's call to Moses from the burning bush. Verses 10 and 11 state, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God called Moses, and now he's revealing his plan to him. He had tried to help these people 40 years ago, and they didn't like it any more than anyone else had. He ended up fleeing from Egypt, and now 
God was going to send him to Egypt to lead them out of bondage? No wonder Moses responded to God with, Who am I that I should go? He had legitimate reasons, not just excuses. He had legitimate reasons as to why he couldn't or shouldn't go. First of all, maybe God had forgotten that there might still be a wanted poster somewhere in the post office on Moses. And secondly, maybe God had forgotten that the Israelites didn't like him either. They weren't any happier about his trying to help them than Pharaoh had been. And thirdly, maybe God had forgotten that Moses is now 80, and he really should have already retired, but he's still trying to tend sheep. Have you ever tried to give God all of the legitimate reasons why you're not the right person for the task or ministry he's called you to? Got kids to raise. I'm too old now. I'm too afraid. They'd never accept me. Been there, done that, didn't work. Don't think I want to try again. But the reality for Moses was that he knew this was an impossible task. The children of Israel of slaves were the very means of Egypt's strength. They were the workers that kept the country in all of its productivity. Pharaoh would never agree to release them. They were part of Egypt's property. They were owned by Pharaoh. However, that really wasn't Moses' concern, apparently, because he never mentions that to God in this passage of Scripture. Or maybe that just seemed very insignificant at the moment. After all, at this time, God was talking to Moses from a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. Moses recognized his own weaknesses, his own unworthiness for such an assignment from God. Moses was no longer the self-assured prince of Egypt that would bring justice to the enslaved people. He was a man that had gone through identity crises. He had been taught and mentored now by his father-in-law, the priest, and he had learned to walk with God. He was now ready for God to send him, even though he didn't realize it yet. He saw the task or ministry as much greater than himself. He was well aware of his own inabilities. Because of his past failures, Moses was too timid at this stage of his life to be useful to the God of the universe. At least he thought so. But God still had a plan for Moses' life. God never calls any of us to a task or ministry without assuring us, as he did Moses in verse 12. It says, So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. God assured Moses that he would be with him. Leo Cox, in his commentary on Exodus, says, God's choice of a messenger is not on the basis of his ability, but on his submission to God's will. 
God never intended for Moses to handle this great task by himself or through his own strength. He had tried that once and had failed miserably. But God promised to go with him, to direct him, and to give him the strength to accomplish the task. Joseph XL points out in his commentary that God's promise was for one man when most needed, at a time of weakness, and that it left no doubt. Aren't you glad for God's assurances in our lives? It wasn't a promise to follow or to go before or to be near, but to be with him. How can a mission fail when God is with the worker? Fear of rejection still caused Moses to be too timid for this assignment from God. But his concern turned from, who am I to go, to how the Israelites would respond to God sending him as the one to lead them out of slavery. He anticipated their need for proof that God really had sent him. There are times when we're struggling maybe with our call, wouldn't you just like to get an email from God? And then you could say, here it is, I can show you, I really am called. But God gave Moses this. In verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I, am co when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? The children of Israel had lived in the land of Egypt for 400 years, among worshiping many, many pagan gods. Moses was well aware of these gods after having been raised in the palace, and he was going back as one man to lead a nation of thousands away from a ruler that would not want to let them go. This would indeed take a miraculous act from the God of their fathers, and they had to be able to recognize who sent Moses and that it was in fact God who sent him. This next verse in our scripture passage is probably one of my favorites. Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. God has never had an identity crisis. Aren't you glad for that this morning? He is who he is. The tense here is indefinite, so it can mean equally past, present, or future. And we know that about God. The answer which Moses received from Almighty God, according to Joseph Exhale, was an immutable authority for the greatest of missions. He goes on to say that God's name for himself, I am, indicates the self-existence of God as the independent among dependent beings. 
and the unchangeable amidst a changing universe. There is so much to be said about God's name, and yet there really aren't any adequate words to describe or explain it. God revealed himself to Moses as the creator, God of power. But he also revealed himself as the personal God of salvation, the same way he wants to reveal himself to us today. We will never know the mystery of all that is contained in the meaning of God's name, I am, until we are with him in eternity someday. God wants the same for us that he wanted for Moses. He wants us to be who we are, not the person that we want to admire or want to be like. He wants us to be the person he created us to be. Don't let an identity crisis cause you to imitate others, not even someone that you admire in ministry. Be yourself. God has a plan for you based on the way he created you. God remains constant. He is not confined to our time limits. He will always be I am. He didn't stop simply by giving Moses his name. Verse 15 says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. God made sure that the children of Israel would recognize his name and that they would remember their deliverance forever. God not only had a plan for Moses, but he also had a plan for his people that he was sending him to. He had a plan to deliver them from bondage and bring them to the land of promise, a place where they could worship. God has a plan for each of our lives, as he did for Moses and for the children of Israel, a plan to deliver us from the bondage of sin, to bring us to the land of promise, a place where we can worship him. Most of us here at NBC are here because we have been called to full-time ministry. We may not know yet exactly what shape that ministry is going to take, but we do know that God is preparing us. He's given us an opportunity to be taught and mentored just as he did Moses, so that when the time is right, his timetable, not ours, we will be ready for him to send us just as he sent Moses. And for those that are here that maybe have not experienced or don't feel a call to full-time ministry, he still has a call for each of you, for your life. His word says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This great commission found in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 is instructions for each of us who is a Christian. God has a call for us. We're called to share the good news 
of what God has done in our lives. Just as God promised to be with Moses when he called him, he promises to be with each of us because he has a plan for each of us. We may be hesitant in our response to God just as Moses was because of the identity crises that we have experienced. Fear from past failures, our inabilities, our unworthiness. We recognize our own limitations and feel too timid for this ministry or service to God. Uncle Bud Robinson was one of the greatest evangelists in our country, not because he was the most learned or the most eloquent, but because he was obedient to God's call in spite of his limitations, which included a speech impediment. God only asked that we be willing and obedient to his call because he has a plan for us. God has a plan for each one of us, and he will reveal his plan when he knows that we are ready to receive it. I want to challenge each of you here today to not let your identity crises control your life and cause you to be too timid for ministry. To not let your fear of past failures keep you from answering God's call. To continue to learn and be mentored, whether that's here at NBC or in your local church. To continue to walk with the Lord, or if you don't know the Lord, to make today the day that you open your heart to him. Just as God promised Moses, I will certainly be with you. He has also promised each of us, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is not a promise to follow, to go before, or to be with. I'm sorry, or to be near, but it is a promise to be with us. How can a mission fail when God is with the worker? If you're still battling those fears of past identity crises or failures and believe that you're too timid to be effective in ministry because of them, I'd like to invite you this morning to come and pray as we sing this song that Chaplain like saying a little earlier, allow God to change your name from wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid to confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God. If there's anyone here who has not experienced the kind of personal relationship with the Lord that we've been talking about. I'd also like to invite you to take this opportunity to come and pray and allow God to change your name to child of God. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ.